and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary Lord for you Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you and we appreciate you this morning, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the honor and glory, Father, Lord. Lord, we know that there are people here this morning that desire to be closer to you this morning, have a desire to surrender more to you, Father. Lord, we ask now, Father, that you just meet all the needs and all the requests now, Father. Touch the broken hearts, Lord. Lord, touch the sick bodies this morning, Father, Lord. Lord, anoint your service that your will be done, Father, Lord. Lord, this is your service, Lord, and we're your servants, Father. We ask now, Father, that you take preeminence now, Father. Lord, we love you and we give you the praise, Lord. Touch the ministry this morning, Father. Open our hearts to receive your gospel this morning, Father. Lord, we love you and we appreciate you now, Father, Lord. Touch the young people now, Father, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you now, Father, Lord. Help us to surrender to you, Father. Be filled with your Holy Spirit more and more and the cup runneth over, Father, Lord. Touch every need now, Father, every situation, Lord. Take them under your control. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand, amen. Amen. I believe we have the key of G, amen. He wasn't looking at me when he took me in. He wasn't looking at my heart that was 
met me When he took me in He wasn't looking at my heart That was blocking my sin He was looking at the blood Flowing rich and free That precious Well, he wasn't looking at me When he took me in He wasn't looking at my heart That was black by sin He was looking at the blood Flowing rich and free Oh! 
if you're glad about it, won't you sing? So glad I'm yours, Lord. Glad I'm yours, so glad your mercy has followed me. Oh, so glad you found me and set me free. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. 
hear the sister singing now. Oh, wherever, wherever, sing. yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, and your, your love for us never changes, never varies. Lord, we might, our love might change. Our, uh, our passion might go up and it goes down. Not might, it does. But Lord, your, your zeal for us and your love for us never changes. And it's not based on what we do, Lord, but it's based on your eternal purpose and what you've done for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. We know that the blood saves us and the blood also heals us, Lord. Any that might be sick and afflicted now, listening here or having to stay home, we ask for healing for them, Lord, a supernatural touch, Lord. But we know it's based on what you did through the blood of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And we're just placing our faith, which is given to us even as a gift in that blood for the healing of those who are sick and afflicted, Lord. We, we thank you for your goodness. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our tithes and offerings, Lord, as we give unto you, Lord, expecting that you will do what you've promised to do us, Lord, that you would uh, pour out a blessing upon us, that you would meet our every need, Lord, and that you would even, even give to us exceedingly abundantly above all we can even ask or think, Lord. Our trust and our hope and our confidence and our faith is in you. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Amen. You may be seated. Amen. We're going to get Brother Steve to give us a song this morning. Amen. Let's give him a hand. There's a hole in my heart that I tried to fill with just about everything, but I hungered still. I was searching for happiness and peace of mind. Oh, but then I met Jesus. He gave me the peace that I couldn't find. Oh, I met Jesus. He filled that hole lying deep in my heart that I tried to fill, but I couldn't even start. He's worthy of all my praise. I'll serve him all my days. For he made me whole when he filled that hole lying deep in my heart. Look at these men, billionaires. They have everything that money can buy. Oh, but they don't stop there. You see, they're searching for happiness and peace of mind. Oh, they need to meet Jesus. He'd give them the peace that they just can't find Oh, they need to meet Jesus And He'd fill that hole lying deep in their heart that they try to fill But they can't even start He's worthy of all my praise I'll serve him all my days. For he made me whole when he filled that hole lying deep in my heart. Are you still searching? Frantically trying to fill that void down deep in your heart. Friend, come there still time Just surrender to Jesus And let him move in And he'll fill that hole Then you'll be whole And never hunger again Friend, come meet Jesus He'll fill that void lying deep in your heart that you're trying to fill. 
but you can't even start. He's worthy of all my praise. I'll serve him all my days. For he made me whole when he filled that hole lying deep in my heart. Yes, he made me whole when he filled that hole lying deep in my heart. John, I, <clears throat> sorry, I asked Brother John Lenachate to give us give me a song this morning. Amen. So, Brother John, if you you come on, my brother. Amen. Also, everybody turn and look at that gentleman right there in the gray suit right there, Brother Brad. It's his birthday. God bless you. Brother. Let's give Brother John a hand, amen. Praise the Lord. So undeniable, I 
I can hardly speak Peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think as you call me Deeper still as you call me Deeper still as you call me Deeper still into love Love, love, you're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am Cause you are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To us You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways to us Oh, is love so undeniable I, I can hardly speak Peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think Lord, you call me Deeper still, Lord, you're calling me. So deeper still, Lord, you're calling me. So much deeper still into love, love, your love. Cause you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father, it's who you are, oh it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father. Just before the word, amen. I also wanted to have Brother Joe. If you give me a song, Brother Joe, how to share, amen. Let's give him a hand, amen. all these good singers this morning and then I get up oh, oh no I won't even start that ain't God good to us though oh my you know I, the first time I sung I said you know that's a good barometer of a church when people want to get up and sing 
I've been to some churches you couldn't pay people to get up and sing. People just love the Lord here. I'm so glad. Amen. We're going to try it in D. Is that D? I'm, I'm sorry, E. Y'all pray for me. I had a little bit of a... Brother Tony asked me earlier, and I said, I don't know. I've got a little bit of a cough I've had. And, but we got to singing, and I just blew it on out. So we'll just finish it up. Well, here I am again down on my knees. Cares of this world they get the best of me Sometimes there are burdens Oh, that bring me to my knees With one touch they're gone That's the peace of loving you Lord, you only know what tomorrow may bring. I can count on you to be my everything. Well, you always help me overcome. Whatever I go through Lord, I know you love me That's the peace of loving you Cause Lord, you are the man When I need the bread of life you're the well within my soul When the river has run dry And all my happiness Well, it lies within the truth Knowing that you love me that's the peace of loving you. Oh, cause Lord, you are the man when I need the bread of life. You're the well within my soul when the river has run dry and all my happiness well it lies within the truth knowing that you love me that's the peace of loving you knowing that you love me that's the peace of love in you
for the word. Amen. Let's stand. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord a few minutes. Amen. Let's sing a little bit. I need you, Lord, right now. <clears throat> you Lord I need you Lord right now I need you Lord I need you Lord right now I lift my hands and bow my knees and worship back I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I lift my hands and bow my knees and worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Let's get the Lord a wave offering. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I lift my hands and bow my knees and worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right Let's just close our eyes and sing. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I lift my hands and bow my God bless you. Let me make a few announcements. Um, after we read our scripture. Amen. I would like to um, start out this morning by just thanking uh, all of those who were uh, made that possible yesterday, that event. And uh, the wonderful support uh, at the Christmas caroling, that gathering there. And uh, I had a, 
a secret agent sending me videos in real time. <laughs> and so, uh, amen, praise the Lord. I won't, I won't call her name, but um, her initials are Emily Curtis. But, <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, it, I felt like I was live streaming it. <laughs> And I was sitting there, and, and Sister Debbie, and she said, did you see the latest one? I'm like, what is it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I just appreciated that. I thought it was such a wonderful representation of our assembly and a wonderful outreach. And I'd like to give a very special thanks uh, to the entire Johnson family for spearheading that thing from the planning to the implementation to the event itself. Amen. I, I would like to just thank everybody who made that possible. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we had enough young people there, young, enough young, young teenagers there that I'm hoping they'll sow the seeds of, of faith and the rest of them to say, man, we had a good time. You should come next year. Amen. Now, I hope we don't have to do it next year. Amen. Amen. I hope that uh, we're singing around a throne in glory Amen. next year. Amen. Amen. Um, our next... Um, Let's see, the next several weekends are going to have special events attached to them. Hope I have all this right. Saturday the 17th, that's this coming Saturday. Saturday the 17th, we're having our Christmas dinner and our singing. And uh, that's going to take place right here on the grounds. And you've had announcements about that, but I'm really, really looking forward to it. I've already got my song request for all you singers, so y'all get ready because I'm going to be bombing y'all with all the ones I want to hear. And if you have any other time for any others, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I was listening to a Sister Debbie and I getting ready this morning. We had um, uh, the podcast of Bethel Music and... Uh, Man, Sister Sarah, you were singing a song, and we were jumping, and wow, I said, I'm going to make Sarah sing that. I'm going to ask Sister Sarah to sing that <laughs> at, at, our, at our Christmas singing. So my, it's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful in all the different ones. Uh, then on Sunday, the 18th, the very next day, we'll have our children's Christmas play that Sister Chastity is spearheading for us. So next weekend's going to be a really special weekend. The following weekend is going to be extremely special because we get to come to church on Christmas Day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. What better place to be, amen, for the true reason of the season. Now, here's a little bend in the schedule. We're going to start at 10 a.m. No Sunday school. 10 a.m. Sunday, December 25. 10 a.m., no Sunday school. Amen. I know that's a big family day, and I'm for it. I'm for family. I'm for anything that promotes family. So uh, we will start early at 10. There will be no Sunday school. We'll start directly with the regular service at 10 a.m. Look forward to seeing all of you here. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Then the following weekend on Saturday, uh, December 31. We're going to have a special service with communion and foot washing. And like we did last year, we're going to have a, a special exhortation from our entire ministry team. Amen. I'm going to give them all about 10 minutes. Amen. Now, Brother Jason can't be here. He's already crying over that. So that means I get his 10. So I get 20. But the rest of them get stuck at 10. Amen. So we'll have uh, some of the word. Uh, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper and foot washing. 
And then, of course, the very next day is New Year's Day Sunday. And what a better, better way. Could you imagine a better way other than in glory uh, to come to the house of the Lord? Think about it, friends. Think about the privilege while two-thirds of the country are hungover. You get to wake up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and clear-headed and a heart full of love and go to the house of God and worship the Lord and receive eternal life in the word. So wonderful, wonderful. Um, now that's, um, let, let me say, that's not a watch night service. We're going, the service will operate under normal time parameters. So we'll start at seven and run our usual normal schedule on that 31st. I'll be aiming at it anyway. Just know that. We're going to let the brothers have about 10 minutes each, and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper and foot washing, and, uh, and then we'll dismiss whatever time that is. We won't stretch it out, and we won't try to cut it short. But it's not a watch night service per se. If you want to go to one of those, I would imagine that those are still done in, in some places, and uh, you could probably get out of here in time to go to another service and be in church till midnight. Amen. I've done it, and I'm not saying they're not nice. I, I've enjoyed myself at them before, but amen, that's the way that we, we've been operating here. I got a couple of prayer requests. Let me stand you back to your feet so we get ready to uh, go into the word. Um, Brother Caleb writes in prayer request for Joy and Lana. They stayed home today not feeling well. Also prayer request for my cousin Philip's daughter. Um, her name is Ella and she's 14 years old and the enemy is heavily attacking her mind with depression among other, amongst other things. Just want to lift her up in prayer um, and believe for total and complete. I love that. Total and complete deliverance. Amen. In this situation, um, brother Mark writes in, we seem to all, we seem to have caught what is going around. Tabitha is really sick. I am somewhat better, but still not well. I uh, have all the compassion in the world for that. Battled it myself all um, last through the last weekend and then all through the week with lingering lying symptoms. Devil still trying to hinder today, but it's all right. Amen. He's, he ain't nobody. Amen. He don't run nothing but his mouth. He makes no decisions for me. All decisions of my life are made by my heavenly father. And if the devil can even, if he can even get something against me, he's got to go get a pass. Amen. So why should I worry? Why should I fear the very same Jesus standing right here? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Happy to have you all in house of God. Some visitors with us today. God bless you. Amen. Happy to have you here. All right. Let's turn into the into our yes. Okay. 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 Oh my. Okay. Let's and that's the, your mechanic's mother. Mother-in-law. Very good. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm going to invite you with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to read verses 2 through 9. Now, I am going to go back today at the direction of the Holy Spirit, who completely hijacked me Saturday morning very early, and you all know I've testified to that before. Thank the Lord, uh, I should say on my human side. I thank the Lord that he does it, but I thank him that he does it only a couple of times, two or three times in a whole year. 
And so uh, he wasn't, I guess he wasn't going to let me get out of 2022 without zinging me one more time. And so um, material that I prepared weeks and have been working on and adding daily and adding daily, um, the Lord came. And I'm still going to come to that. Amen. Um, so, uh, you know, such Sarah conversation we had that don't you worry, that's, that's coming. But I actually believe that today will also, amen, amen, speak to that. So you just have faith. And so uh, the Lord sent me back to a sermon I preached, I believe on October 16th, called that I titled, The Dance Begins. That was October 16th of this year. I'm going back to make today part two. The Dance Begins Part 2. If you missed Part 1, you can go right on our website and get it. Amen. God bless you. Let's read uh, from 1 Thessalonians 5. To th um, we're just going to get 2 through 4, and we'll let you be seated, and we'll come back to the remaining verses. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, for when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word, the assembling of the people, the songs, the congregational worship, the special singing. Lord, as I sat and listened and even, even from the Sunday school teacher and his class, Lord, I sat in my back office just amazed, Lord, at how you were confirming over and over the songs that were sung, the special songs that were sung, the very lyrics, Lord, were confirming, confirming, confirming that I know I have your perfect will this morning. But Lord, it'll be difficult for me because it's a, a little way that I rarely, if ever, maybe one other time in all my ministry have ever tried to approach it in this way. And so I'm needing your help as a mortal man, Lord, and I pray that you will also be with my heart. You know sometimes what a baby I can be, Lord, but I get so caught up in your word and I just get so emotional and I thank you. And so I'm asking for your divine help today. Help me to just stay, Lord, on track and give me the words that you need. Now, Master, we have some sick people Brother Mark and Sister Tabitha, Lord, under the attack of the enemy. Lord, this poor young girl here uh, through the family of our brother Caleb, and not only that, his wife and daughter, and sickness plaguing them, and the enemy plaguing the mind of this young girl. We rebuke Satan, and Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, and we call for healing, mind, body, and soul in all of these cases and all the other lingering effects the enemy has put on us today. Lord, be with my lungs and my throat as I am still with quite a cough, Lord, but I'm, I'm believing uh, for, for you to take control now. In Jesus' name, we commit it to you. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. And I 
covet your prayers very sincerely today. I, I want to go studiously along. I don't want to, you know, labor, you know, too many points. Brother Jason's Sunday school class today saved me a mountain of, um, of foundational stuff. And it was, I kept thinking because I, I knew that that burden was on me. And I said, but Lord, it's going to be impossible. How in the world? I don't want to rush over anything. And I mean, I, I'm not a two-hour preacher and that's what it would take. And you're going to have to help me figure this out. And lo and behold, I walk in the door and Brother JD's supposed to be on rest. He wasn't even supposed to be up here. And I walk in the door and hear him and I say, my goodness, Brother Jason's uh, got the Sunday school today. And as I sat in my office, I just was speechless, just speechless. When he came out of the door, I said, Jay, come in here through my closed door. Come in here. And he heard me. He walked in. I said, what in the world? My, it was just so amazing to me. And so last time, I want to just take a few moments, and I want to bring just a half a dozen or so quick points from the first time I preached on The Dance Begins. And I'm not really um, going back to try to rehearse it all. Like I say, you can go to uh, October 16 and get part one. But in part one, we took a, uh, some text out of the book of Genesis. We read a bunch of different places, but I, 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 I started zeroing in about how that God had made, you know, lights and, and he had a greater light and a lesser light and one was to rule the day and one was to rule the night. And we found out in the 18th verse of Genesis 1 that he used the light uh, he, 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 that one was to rule over the day and over the night. And here was the, here was the second thing and to divide the light from the darkness. And that was important to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So, you know, the fact that God says to you, you know, as a Christian, what fellowship hath light with darkness. Don't be out here rubbing shoulders with the world. Those shouldn't be your closest acquaintance. Your, 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 your closest interaction shouldn't be with your career people. It should be with the family of God. Don't, don't think, listen, parents, mom and dad, please hear me when I say, don't think that won't be unimpacting on your children. You, you, this is part of training a child. The Bible doesn't say raise children. It, say, it says that women marry, bear children, guide the home. But the Bible says train up a child. And as I've said to parents for years, training is not easy. And because it's difficult and it takes some work and it takes some selflessness. You, you can never train children correctly if, you, if you're selfish. If you're only chasing your own uh, motives and plans and dreams and your children are just a sidebar. And all you're doing is feeding them and clothing them and housing them and keeping them safe. See, but it doesn't just say raise children. It says train them up. So because it's, it takes work, the, the great cop-out is parental delinquency. And, and so you, you parents don't want to do it, to which I say you will train them whether you want to or not. Your lifestyle that they observe will train them. So you might as well do it right. See? Amen. And so the, the world today is falling under the prophecy 
that the children would raise up at the end time to be tormentors of their parents, of society. There's a headline today where the sheriff of, a, of a Brevard County in Florida actually had to get the attorney general and some other official important looking people. He had to put on his uniform with his badge and his gun and his taser and, and have a video shoot in front of a prison and was saying, we're tired of the way you children and teenagers are acting in school that we've got teachers abandoning their career because they're dealing with violence and drug use and abuse from especially junior high and high schoolers. And he, he was simply putting it back on the parents to say, you better get a hold of them before I do. Because if I get a hold of them, it ain't gonna end well. And can you imagine that the, the mind of parents it, it was so offended at that that they are holding rallies against that. And liberal-minded parents are saying, I don't like his tenor and I don't like his threat and I don't like that kind of language. That, that, the, the, the absence of any kind of discipline is the whole reason that children have risen up in the last day to be tormentors of their families, in their homes, in their schools, in their governments. So you, it's an important point. It's an important point to train up children not only by teaching them the word of God because I can't do it all, but by demonstrating the word of God, which I can only do a couple of times a week or if I happen to see them in the middle of the week. So it's all I can do is assist you, mom and dad. You understand? I can't raise your kids. I love them, but I can't raise them. Yeah, I can only be your assistant. Amen? How many appreciate a good assistant? <laughs> Thank you. See, I already spent more time on that than I should have. So it was to divide the light from the darkness. So don't be offended when the Bible tells you to shun the very appearance of evil, don't get offended at that. When it says you ought to live different, you ought to look different, dress different, talk different, act different, go to different places, do different things. See? And so the point to be made is that, you know, the main functions of light are to rule and to divide. You get that? So... The light of the gospel is the greatest light. Its function is to rule and to divide. See? So you say, why, why are you just drilling that so hard? Because Satan's aim, that being true, then, then it shouldn't surprise you if I say, then Satan's aim is to keep you in darkness. For as long as he can, any way he possibly can, expose you to darkness and get you to linger there. His goal then is to keep you from walking in the light. Not just believing in the light, but walking in the light. Walking continually in the light. See? So this is, this is what is so important. Evil spirits, as we said in part one, evil spirits roam in their greatest power and influence late at night. That's a fact. The prophet taught us that. 
because they, the darkness conceals them. And that's, that's, their, that's when they really, when they can hide, that's when they really can do their biggest damage. All right? So, so, so evil, evil people lurk in the night. And so this is why Paul would carry on, Brother Caleb, in our, in our opening text back to 1 Thessalonians um, 5, and we'll pick up uh, here at verse 5. <clears throat> Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So, so I, let me say to you, come into the light as often as you can. Take every opportunity. Think of new ways to do it. Be inventive of new ways to capture your time and discipline your life to coming into the light. Say, how can I do that? Coming to church is a good one. Opening your Bible is a good one. Getting on your knees is a good one. Fellowshipping the saints is a good one. So we find that we have not been, he says, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober for they that sleep, sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so light is associated with salvation. You'd, you'd believe that, wouldn't you? Darkness creates uh, an opportunity for wrath. Darkness creates an appointment for wrath. Sin pays wages. Did you know that? And they're not wages you can decline. Sin actually pays wages. And the wages it pays are death. So light, catch this now. This is going to be important. What I'm, I'm about to say three things in a row. They're extremely important for the for the last third, maybe the last quarter of my sermon today, because I'm going to tell you a story, a true event that happened to me recently. Light is the place of fellowship. Light is the place of cleansing. Light is the place of sinlessness. You ought to thank God that he sent light into this age because now because he did that you who had no chance and no access to it you now have an opportunity catch it underscore you have an opportunity to have a place where you can have restored fellowship with God a place where you can be cleansed because you need it and you're going to watch you know what's going to happen to you tomorrow you're going to need it again and again you're going to need to stand. Listen, with the, let me just say to you today that with the, just the way the devil, such a tidal wave of condemnation that he's constantly battling us with, you're going to need a place where you can enter into and feel sinless. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you it exists. And it's in the light. And in the light, when you can have fellowship, you can be cleansed. And your cleansing creates the fellowship, makes it possible. And when you get into fellowship with God, I'm here to tell you, you feel sinless. All right. Here's a fourth one. Light is the gathering place 
of God's children. That's how you know it's God's children, because of where they gather, see, and what, what their life is made up of. So in light, friends, in light is where Genesis is restored to you. That's the place. That, because when we're here born in sin, we're so far away from that Genesis creation where God had perfect, unbroken fellowship with his family. And Adam was an amateur God of the earth. That's a place where I want to be. That's the millennium. But I'm here to tell you something, friends. That kind of an atmosphere is, is the door is now opened to you. Because of that day on Calvary, the door is open to you to, to come back into your Genesis condition again. All right, so we, we're, we're, Brother Brandon makes a couple of statements here in a message that moved me greatly yesterday. I shared it with my ministry team. And Brother, I said, my, I've never heard Brother Bradham use this language. I told my wife, I said, I've never heard this tape. She said, that's impossible. I said, no, I realize now I heard the one, he, he preached this sermon twice and once at his tabernacle, and I've heard that one. But this is the evangelistic one. He went out and preached at Chautauqua. And because I never heard him use this language. And he says, yes, sir, we pay so much attention to the undertaker. Now, it's kind of unavoidable. <laughs> Amen. We pay so much attention to the undertaker. I love this. Let's give some thoughts about the uptaker once in a while. <laughs> what? The uptaker once in a while. He said, the one that'll take us up some of these days. The only translation, the only one who can bring us from the grave. I love this. The only one who can present us before the Father without a fault, without a spot, without a wrinkle. Brother Branham says, hallelujah. I say, hallelujah. You ought to say, hallelujah. This uptaker can present me right now? You mean right now before God without a fault? Without a spot? Amen. Does God really know me? Yeah. He knows you better than you know you. Amen. He can present you without fault, without spot, without a wrinkle. See, he starts telling the story of an old black man, about 90 years old, good friend of his. Brother Branham grew up knowing him. He says he come walking down the street one day, and he says, now, now here, here I'm going to really start turning toward where Brother Jason's uh, Sunday school helped me so much today, laid, laid so much material I don't have to go into. So he says, uh, he's, he says he's about 90 years old. He come walking down the street one day and he yells over to Brother Brandon. He says, I want to tell you something. And I said, all right, what is it, Reb? And he said, well, I'll tell you. He said, you take an old rooster. You can tie his feet Nail him into a box. Now, how many have ever felt like that that's what the devil was doing to you? Sure. Man, I want to worship God. I want to have joy in my life. I, I feel like my feet are tied down. Somebody's got me nailed into a box. I can't move. I need to be a Christian. Lord, where are you? How many? Come on. How many of us have been right there? And he says, he says, you take an old rooster, tie his feet, nail him in a box any way you want to, said, but when it starts to get daylight, he'll turn over and crow. <laughs> Brother Brandon said, I said, that's right. He said, what makes him do that, Billy? 
And I said, he's a rooster and it's breaking day. Hallelujah. That's right. It's his nature. And when a man is born of the spirit of God and has this eternal life in him, when the Holy Ghost comes, you got to scream out, something's got to happen. And I didn't say I had those times where my feet felt tied. I felt like I was nailed in a box and couldn't move. But one day the sun rises and I felt something inside me even still tied. And I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm still tied, but praise God. I don't need to be free of my trial to praise him. I can praise him in the storm. Hallelujah. Amen. It's his nature. So he says, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. When they shall say peace and safety, then cometh sudden destruction. But you brethren are not in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. There's way too many quotes to read them all. And I elected not to put a PowerPoint up. So I, I've just got some highlighted places. I want to refer to them and quote a few lines. And you can go get the message. Uh, June 6, 1960. June 6. It's not the one he preached at his tabernacle. It's out when he went out. Now, watch. Brother Branham comes to this. And he's starting to make an argument and build a case for knowing the Lord Jesus personally. Now you see why Brother J.D.'s Sunday school was so vital? To know him in a personal way. He says the reason that we should go to Jesus to find this that no one else has but him. And, of course, what does he have? Eternal life. Yeah. And he's the only one. Yeah. He's the only person. He's a person. God is a person. He's the only person that has and can give eternal life. Amen. So I think it's almost an understatement to say you need to know him personally. I don't think that can be oversold. I don't think that can be overhyped. I don't think I could wear that one out. You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ Amen. if you want to have eternal life. He says, we're, you see, we're going out of this world. He says, we're sure of that. See, only those who are alive and remain are changed when the, when the dead in Christ rise first. And only the ones left alive are changed in a moment. Other than that, every man, no matter how good he ever was, has an appointment with death. See, And so Brother Branham says, we're going out of this world. We're sure of that. And we don't want to go. Listen up, teenagers. Listen up, old people. We don't want to go in the wrong direction. The question is not, will I go? That's settled. You will go. The question becomes, the problem is, the rub is, I got to go, but I don't want to go in the wrong direction. There's, and Brother Branham says, there's, we want to go to heaven when we leave this world. Every person wants to do that. There's only one heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven. And Jesus said, I am that way. That's the reason why that we must go to Jesus 
because he is the way. Now, Brother Branham is going to emphasize that over and over and over and over and over. See? He, so now there are two ways that people try to say, now watch this. He's going to just kind of testify to the people from his years of experience going around the world. He finds that there are ways that people try to say, if I live the golden rule, uh, or if I keep the Ten Commandments, or some of his Catholic friends on certain days, if I stop eating meats, sometimes people make those things a religion. You know, or he says, or some religious acts, which is all right, said, uh, if they want to believe that. But still, that isn't the way to heaven. Now he's going to say it again. Jesus is the way. All right? I do not say that, that, that you want to do those things won't go to heaven, but you have to find Jesus first because he is the way, the, and he repeats it, the, the only way. Now there's a way the Bible tells us and the prophet alludes to it. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. Now that means that he becomes convinced that he's okay when he's not. That's the whole point of that Old Testament passage. It's people who are absolutely unwaveringly convinced. They have faith that they're right when they're wrong. And they think they have eternal life and they don't know they're going to hell. Now that's a Bible reality, see. And so we need to solve that today. Amen. So he says... He goes on and he says, now, Jesus is the way. All right. Now there's a way that seemeth right to the man. And he starts to tell a story, a true story, about how he says the pastor and I, speaking of Brother Neville, he said, we just spent some time with his sister-in-law, trying our best to convince her that her religious society couldn't save her. But the, the woman was so, so brainwashed that and she was in so he doesn't say what it was it wasn't a, a denomination or a church or anything it was some kind of a society that was a religious society and he says you know we we were trying to get her to understand that that there's no life in that 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 thinking that her lodge was what was going to take her to heaven because she belonged to a certain society in a lodge and they buried her thinking that she died unconvinced of needing to know Christ personally. So he's mother Branham as a preacher. This is a pretty astonishing statement. This got everybody's attention, got my attention when he started saying it. He says, we're not here to condemn men for sinning. (laughs) Said we're not here to condemn sinners. Can you imagine a preacher saying that? I'm in the pulpit today, but I didn't come here to condemn sinners for sinning. See? We are here to condemn sin, not the sinner. Man does not listen at this. Listen, listen, listen. This is so profound. Man does not lose. Watch this. Uh, Man does not lose his life because he is a sinner. 
He loses his life because he refuses to accept his life. Now, it's obvious that it's not the life he got born with. Because he goes on to to define what his life is. And his life is in Christ Jesus, the only one that has eternal life. So the life you need is not the one you came here with. Good? You with me? The life you need is not the one you came here with. That one's one's doomed. That one's born under a death sentence. You can't clean it up enough. It won't matter. Like Brother Joe was preaching, it's still, all your works are still filthy rags. See? And so, so we find that you, you're not, a sinner isn't destroyed because he was a sinner. Because Brother Branham said, God will never condemn a man for being a sinner. Never, never, no way. Because a man was born a sinner, and God knows that. He says, what will condemn the man is he remained a sinner when he didn't have to. That Jesus Christ, by his, by his death, burial, and resurrection, ascension and descending back in the Holy Ghost, made a way that you don't have to die. So if you die and go to hell, you did it to yourself. You're, 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 you're suffering a retroactive sentence you were born with and you never got rid of, though you had an opportunity to. See? So he said this woman would not give up the idea that her lodge was just as good as any church or anything else. Woman with cancer, pastor buried her day before yesterday. He said people would do that on their deathbed. They do it all the time. I've spent my life at the bedside of dying people knowing they're dying and go right on trusting in some human construct, some religious system of fallen man, and you can't tell them otherwise. I can testify to them of the real realities of the living God and the power of the resurrection. And I got stories from, from, from 30 plus years of ministry on, on six different continents. I know he's real. I know this word is true. I know God keeps his promises. And you tell them that and they just cannot divorce themselves from thinking. And they're, they're so entrenched in this human construct. And they actually go to meet God in that condition. He says, now there is a way that people think they, they just live a good life and can get to heaven, but that's an error. Listen, that's a prophet. That's an error. You do not get to heaven living a good life. Mm-mm. I'm not saying there's, that's not blessed. A good life is a better life to live. Regardless, if, I wasn't even, if there wasn't a heaven, I'd still live like I live because it's healthier. I get to keep all my money. I don't blow it. I don't give it to the tobacco or the alcohol. I don't wake up hungover. I don't suffer any of the, of the diseases and sickness that that kind of lifestyle brings. I have a nice home. I, I'm not divorced. I raised up children. They're honest men. I, I mean, the way of the word is the way. Man, it's a much better way than the way uh, 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 that's against the word of God. You're crazy for living outside the dictates of a Christian lifestyle. See, and so, but, but the prophet is saying, and, and there's, there's blessing in that, but, but as far as eternal value, now that's a different, now you've gone to another level because now we're not just interested in just blessing here. I want to know this life is so good and I love it so much. I want to know how I cannot get it to end. I would like to, every man would like to live eternally. And I have found a way to do that. Good news. Newsflash. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a life insurance salesman. <laughs> life assurance. Let me talk a policy with you, friends. Hallelujah. 
So he says, people think they can live a good life and go to heaven, but that's an error. You you do not get to heaven by living a good life. The people under the Mosaic law lived a good life. But Jesus preached to many of them in, in hell. Then there, here's another one. He says, then there's the way of the church. The way we try to go to heaven by the way of the church. But in the church, as good as it is, it's still not the way. The church can only point you to the way. Now he's going to say it again. You ready? But Jesus is the way. And he'll keep repeating that more and more than any other thing in this sermon. Jesus is the way. Some has perverted that way to change it into learning your catechism, saying your creeds, or going by some book of rules. Amen? He says, and, and, and that may be ever so good, but that's not the way. The only way to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He starts telling out of his experience. He said, I'm astonished today. When I I walk up on people and I ask them, are you a Christian? And they say, oh, well, I'm a Methodist. (laughs) And he said, well, that's that's not my question. I ask you, are are you a Christian? See? And he said, they say, well, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Presbyterian. Or even I'm a Pentecostal or a Pilgrim Holiness or some church. Now, them may be all right, but that isn't the question. Remember now. We got an exact kind of question. That's not the question. You'll never get the right answer having the wrong question. See? So 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 the question is, you know, so 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 he says they may be all right, but that's not the question. The question is, are you a Christian? And you cannot be a Christian until you have received Christ, Christ in you. Now, the world is filled with denominations of all kinds. 30, we got north of 33,000 when I looked about three or four years ago. I'd say what it is now. 30, above 33,000 various denominational and independent Christian ideas of what, it, of what it takes to make heaven your home. I feel sorry for the sinner. I want to tell you something, friends, that the sinner wouldn't have a chance and God couldn't condemn him on the last day if he didn't have me and you living out the word. Because everybody's got an opinion of this one book. But when you've got a life that's living it and reproducing that life that you can read about here. And the same signs and wonder and the same power is operating in you. That you see operating in here. Then you can know you've found the way. See. Each one of those movements certainly were useful to God down through history in their original form. Absolutely. Baptist. Pentecostal, Methodist, Presbyterian, they were all useful to God down through the ages. But, they became, but those names became blasphemous names once the light moved on, according to the Bible. See, the Bible said that this great whore with her harlot daughters had, was found in the book of Revelation with names of blasphemy. See, not words of blasphemy, names of blasphemy. See, so those names become blasphemous names once the light moves on to the next age and to stay in them then becomes a death trap because it becomes a false light. You understand? He says, now, not many people uh, say that. I will go to heaven. Uh, he says, now, many people say, 
I will go to heaven because my faith tells me so. I belong to a church and my faith tells me I'm all right. Now, I believe, watch this, I believe in the grace of God too. But look, now listen close because we're going to have to qualify this. But look, no matter what your faith is, you're not going to be judged by your faith. You're going to be judged by your works when you die. That sounds counterintuitive because it's through faith, by grace, through, by faith, through grace, that we are saved, not of your works, lest any should boast. And you remember Paul and James almost seem to disagree with each other. And Paul has said, it has nothing to do with your works. It's all faith and grace. And James says, well, show me your faith with, without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, there was already people in the early church claiming to be Christians who didn't have any works. They were already just Christians in name only. This is hundred centuries before Nicaea. This is during the time when the apostles are alive and preaching. So don't be amazed if you have people sitting in message churches who, have, who believe the doctrine but have never been born again and do not have a life to back it up. No signs and wonders and power and overcoming strength. Not even proper separation between light and darkness. That's not new. The early church had that. See? So now a bit of clarification is needed here, all right? Clarification, of course, only made possible by the progressive revelation brought to us by the same prophet who just made this statement. So I'm certainly not going to go outside of everything he said. It becomes clear to us, especially after the opening of the seals, it becomes clear to us by his teaching that, that this scene he's speaking of is the great white throne judgment. You find it in Matthew 7. You, in Matthew 7, you find them coming to the Lord and saying, you know, did not we do all of these wonderful works in thy name? And we cast out devils and did mighty miracles in thy name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, that's, that's a part of the narrative of Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. Another part of the narrative comes uh, some chapters later when you get to chapter 25 and Jesus starts giving a little more of a picture where you've got two sets of, of, of categories of humanity. One he's going to separate and put on his right and one he's going to separate and put on his left. And, and you're going to find that, that when all of this comes forward, that there... That, that you have at this judgment bar, you have people who come before the king and they, they have a human faith in their works. They said it in Matthew 7. Did not we do all of these works in thy name? They went to the grave believing they were okay. And, at, and, and chapter 25 shows they're not okay. And they're going to be, he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. These are people who had a human faith. So Brother Branham says, you're not going to be judged on your faith. You're going to be judged on your work. He's talking about human faith. See? Talking about your human belief. All right? But it was clearly human faith, not a revealed faith from God founded on God's word. 
And when you read Matthew 25, it actually gives the appearance that life and death are determined based on good deeds or the lack thereof. But it's not that because you can't earn eternal life based on human works. We know that. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, even, even sincere good works with good motives and good objectives because you can't, you can't force God to pay you eternal life because of your works. God will owe no man. You understand, you, you can't hand him. You don't get to stand there at the judgment bar and hand him your time card of good deeds that you labored to, to do in the earth. This, this is judgment of their hearts and it's a judgment of their hearts response to the word. See, this is why the iniquitous crowd who had tons of works don't get in because it was all iniquity. Their heart wasn't in the right place. They had a human confidence that failed them, and they're stunned. They're astonished. They're saying, they even call him, but Lord, Lord, I remember doing all these things, and he'll say, I never knew you at all. See, in some cases, and listen, friends, in some cases, you know, it, it might even, you find that, that some are getting into eternal life because in some cases, it was merely their heart's response to the word that they saw living in you. What a privilege we have that somebody might gain eternal life because they, they couldn't see the word you see. It couldn't become quite clear to them, but they, they recognized it. whatever you got, that's what I want to be like. That's what God told Cain. If you'll just do as your brother. See, so we're not outside the scriptures. So we find more than this that this, of course, is humanity outside election. As for the bride, she's not judged at all because Christ was judged for her. She accepted his pardon by accepting the word for her hour because that was Christ, the bleeding word. That was Christ, the living word. That's why it's bleeding. It's got life in it. It's Christ. That's what has come in our day. That's what, that's what the early church had. That's what they had in Jerusalem. They had the living, bleeding word. They had Christ. And it was lost down through the ages, but God said, I'll send a prophet and he'll turn that back. He'll turn your hearts back to the original faith of the fathers. So the elect lady is seated on the throne having escaped this judgment completely. So let me, here's where I don't have to keep lingering on there because Brother Jay did such a good job this morning. Brother Branham goes on to say, death does not change your spirit. It only changes your dwelling place. It only changes houses for you. If you die in your sins, you go to a worse habitation than what you're living in now. But if you die in Christ, you shall be with Christ. And he says it again, for he is the way. So people say, I have faith that I'm saved. And I don't doubt that. They're completely convinced that they are. They joined a church. They've got their name on a book. I don't know. They might have all kinds of religious activities. And if they if they've say, well, what if they've passed from death unto life? Then they'll come to the light. Because Jesus said the Holy Ghost would bring you to the light. It won't leave you in partial light, a, a, a false mirage, a painted fire. It'll bring you into the new day. Yeah. See? 
So, so people say I have faith that, that I'm saved, but, but that is only based on sometimes we have to be careful now because sometimes our confidence is based on our, is based on our doctrine. And what if your doctrine's wrong? See, you say, well, but we have the message of the hour. Well, what if your understanding is wrong? All right? Your understanding of the doctrine could be wrong. Uh, you know, I, and I would say to you today that you're hanging your soul, which is the most valuable asset you have on mighty shaky ground, just to sit in a, even a message church and say, I believe God sent a prophet and I believe the message of the hour and I believe all the teachings and the doctrine. That's pretty shaky ground, friends. If you haven't moved on to know him after the power of his resurrection, if you haven't entered into the fellowship of his sufferings, if you're not being made conformable unto his death so that you might be a partaker of his life. See? See, I know the message is correct teaching of the Bible, but that's still not the proper question. You might say, but I believe it, Brother Jason, Pastor Jason. (coughs) I believe it. That's wonderful. Now, now, now you can go in the right direction to get the proper question. Say, I still don't have the proper question. No. The proper question is not, am I in the right church or am I believing the right teaching? But has the faith I claim to have changed my life? That's the proper question. Not am I in the right church? Or am I believing the right teaching? But has the faith I claim to have changed my life? Has it taken all the desire of sin from my heart? And even, I'm going to tell you something, say, how do you know it's happened to you? Because even if I stumble, I find myself running as fast as I can back to God, back to my knees, asking for mercy, asking for forgiveness, asking for renewal. I don't want the world. I can't stand ungodliness. My flesh stumbles in it. My mind thinks the wrong thing. But I run quickly back. Hallelujah. Asking for mercy, unabashedly. Asking forgiveness. Even if I ask for forgiveness of the same thing nine times last week, I'll ask nine times more this week. Continually again and again and again. It's changed my life. It's changed my desires. This is a beautiful thing. It has so many benefits in the kingdom. Don't, don't, don't go to it, Caleb. I'm moving too quickly, but just make a note of it. In Hebrews 4.16, the Bible teaches that those who are truly born again of the Spirit of God that they should, they should feel perfectly free to, verse 16, come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and to help in time of need. How many have a need? How many need help today? Oh, this is a time of need. This is a time of not only great need, but great help. Hallelujah. There has never been, listen, friends, there's never been a greater time or age in all the history of humanity 
that needs the grace of God like this age, like this time. From the time that men lived in caves and painted murals on the wall to stepping on the surface of the moon and uh, stepping from a space module onto the dust of the moon and, and now planning to step on Mars. From the time of living in caves painting murals and he's trying to step on Mars. And there has, he has never faced an age quite like this one is. For the first time, from the first time, that the first heel of the first human foot walked on the earth, there has never been a more perilous time than now. In this age and in this time, a man, I'm going to tell you something, a man or a woman, you need to know that you have access to someone who has the answers to life. You need to have it in a reality form. This is not an age to just be convinced of right teaching. You need to know that you have access, that you can walk in boldly to the great God and say, Master, I have a need. And I'll say, what is it, my child? Here's my need. You have it. Believe. Don't doubt it. Go. You'll receive what you've said. You've got to know where to find direction. You've got to know that you can ask for and be granted an audience with the king. Cue up Job 23 for me, Caleb. And we'll start at verse 1, but just before you put it up, uh, let me just make these comments. Job knew that when he got in trouble, and Job had some trouble. And what was curious is Job hadn't done anything to deserve it. And God was using him for the grandest purpose that to date, nearly any man, it had to be in the top three, maybe higher. Because God has a desire to put the knowledge of a redeemer in the earth so that man's just not shifting, trying to find his own way around. God's got to put knowledge in the earth that, hey, there's a redeemer. You're not, yeah, you're, you're, and he calls Job to suffer so that Job could get down so low and he could just feel like he's no higher than the grass or the trees or the nature itself. He just wants to die. He curses the day he was born. He doesn't, he has, I hate it that the moon shined on a man child and he, he's just so distressed and I've done nothing wrong and what is all this about? And, and he gets down to say, I see the grass and it dies, but it gets to live. I must be lower than the grass. I see the flowers and the trees and they die but they come again but what about me what about a man if I die and I'm dying do I get to live again and that's when brother Branham said lightning cracked and thunder rolled and said God grabbed a thunderhead stepped out on it and came whirling down get on your feet Job I need to talk to you I'm bringing a revelation into the earth and he, he showed him a vision of that day on resurrection morning when Christ comes out of the grave and he says I know my redeemer liveth And at that day, I'll see him in these eyes and this flesh will behold him. And Brother Branham said, if Job could have only known everything he went through and all the stuff he suffered and all the heartache was just so God could put that revelation in the earth that if a man dies, shall he live again? Yes, he shall live again. 
There's a redeemer. There's an all-powerful king. And that's all you might need this morning. Look at Job 23. What you need is an audience with the king. Almost called this sermon that. You need an audience with the king. You might not need a new church. You might not you might get a new church. You might get a new friend. You might get a new job. You might get a whole new career. But that won't do it. I want to say to you today, get to the king. Get to the king. Don't worry about a new friend or a new career or a new job. Get to the king. Make sure no matter what is in your life, you got school ahead of you, you young men and young women. You got school ahead of you. Let me tell you, you're going to need the king. You're going to need to have an access. You're going to need a portal. You're going to need to be able to walk through a portal and walk into the presence of somebody greater than you. This is Job's eighth declaration. It's a response to Eliphaz. Then Job spoke again. My complaint today is, I'm sorry, uh, let, let's read it from there. Uh, even, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier, uh, than my, heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No. See Job's faith? No. But he would put strength in me. This is somebody in spite of every trial knew the God he served. He'll put strength in me. He says, there the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered from ever, forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward. He is not there. Now here's his problem. Here's the problem. He knew what to do. He knew where he needed to get to. But how do I find him? Yeah. See, this is on the blood of bulls and goats. He's got no access. That fellowship in Genesis is lost. Mm -hmm. You get me? Yeah. Behold, I go forward. He's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where, to, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept. Listen, friends. When you, in the midst of whatever trial the devil can put you through, in the midst of this perilous time, in the midst of this crazy world, Whatever you might face, you need to be able to say this. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Verse 12, finally, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I'm going to read that quickly through the NLT. Listen now. Then Job spake again, my complaint today is still a bitter one. This is his eighth, eighth declaration. My complaint today is still a bitter one. This is before his revelation. And I try hard not to groan aloud. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case. This is a courtroom. It's a judgment seat. 
Remember, remember when Jesus was on trial and the Bible says Pilate entered the judgment seat again. So this is, this is a place where an authoritative figure enters into for judgment. See, all right? So you get that. So he says, if only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him, so I would be forever acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I I do not see him in the north, for he's hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. For I have stayed on God's paths. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. Still with me? David knew there was a cleft in the rock. David knew there was a secret dwelling place of his pavilion. Brother Branham saw it as a little room. And he says, I will meet you in there. Little wooden room. Wood represents humanity. I'll meet you. I'll meet you in there. That's not a metaphor. That's for real. And Brother Branham says, why? Why in there? It's always been on the pulpit. It's been open to the world. It's been an attraction. I'll meet you in there. Well, why? Because this will be a secret. The world won't know about this place. This is a place where only my bride will have access to. I want her to know that she can come to see me. I want her to know that that day on Calvary and the baptism of the Holy Ghost makes this possible, that she can walk boldly into this pavilion. Let me tell you something, friends. We're in 2022. Stop waiting on some kind of supernatural thing down the road. Oh, he's going to have a tent. We're going to have a room, and we're going to do something. Nobody even knows what we're going to do. I'm here to tell you I'm living there now. I went and visited it even recently. I know it's there. There is a refuge for the family of God, a covert from storm, as the Bible says. Don't presume upon God. Now, listen, listen. Don't presume upon God. Here's a real theme of what we're bringing to you today. You can't presume. Don't presume that you're okay with your human faith. It has to be a revealed supernatural faith because that's the grace. That's the grace. Don't turn grace into disgrace. That's what the world, Christianity world does today. They turn grace into disgrace. Oh, I love the grace of God. I can live any way I want. That's not grace. Grace is a revealed faith. Hallelujah. That's the grace of God. You know it's grace when it teaches you to deny ungodliness. Because that's what grace does. That has to be your whole heart seeking a relationship. I've heard people quite cavalier when it comes to this. Quite cavalier when it comes to repenting to God for their sin. Brother Branham says in the sermon, he cares, do you care? It's short. I'm going to read it in its entirety. He's talking about repentance without any sincerity at all. Just sloppy, insulting to God. He says, what if I say now, I'm going to confess it, that I done wrong. And Brother Branham said, now, I really did do wrong. And he said, I'm going to go confess it, that I done wrong. And I say, 
Good Lord. Oh, friend of mine. You know that. I know you real well. Praise God. Hallelujah. Think you're a good old fella. Forgive me, you old friend, old friend. I didn't mean it that way. See? Now you say that's sacrilegious. Brother Ram says it is to make a confession like that. But what if I go to the Lord and say, I didn't mean to do it just that way. You help me and I won't do it again. You know what he said he'll do? When you repent the way he just named, he said he'll refuse your sacrifice. You're trying to go to him and say, I didn't mean to do it. That's what you need to be saying. But instead it comes out, hey, a buddy old pal, old chum. Hey, Jesus, how about it? Come on, man. Wink, wink. You know? He, he goes into a, a, an example of if he was unfaithful to his wife and say, hey, old girl, how about it? You know, mother of my children, how about it? What do you say? Forgive me, I didn't mean it. How about it, sis? How about it? How about you forgive me? He said, my wife would look at me like, what has happened to my husband? I heard it, I've heard it said to my face. To my face as a minister, I, I had one young man say to me, I started talking to him about his soul and about his lifestyle. He'd been raised in the message and taught better. And he says, oh, he just waved me off and just gave me the hand. I, I, I'll just quickly say, Jesus, forgive me my sin and I'll be okay. Don't presume you'll be okay. Right. You won't be okay. Paul reminded the, his own Christian countrymen in Rome in the ninth chapter, he, he says, he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. There has to be something more than a hope so, more than a mental workup, friends. It's got to be more than sensations or emotions. Some enthusiasm. Listen, listen, can I just say this? I, I employ emotion and enthusiasm I do that deftly. I do that craftily. I do. Th- I practice that. You know. You know why I have to do that. You know why I have to employ emotion and enthusiasm. A lot of times, unfortunately, that, that ain't going to save you. But what it will do is it'll break open your crusty mind yeah. that you spent so much time in the nonsense of the world, and your mind comes in here so poisoned. Yeah. And I have to use all kinds of human uh, ingenuity. You know, to, to, to break through your crusty mind, open the door of your heart with its rusty hinges. Because you don't never open it to the Lord very often. I use it for teenagers because the social fabric of the world tells them it ain't cool to worship God. And then others because I, I, I know they rarely, if ever, see it in their family life at home. There's nothing wrong with emotion as a tool. I'll use it whatever works as long as I can find it in the word of God and there's plenty of emotion and sensation and enthusiasm and zeal in the word of God David danced with all his might and then he went out the next day just to spite his wife and did it on purpose even more but I want to tell you something friends if you're going to find yourself entering boldly into the presence of the king it'll take more than emotion It'll take a revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. A knowing from the depths of your soul that you've passed from death to life. And may I add, and I add this by experience, a knowledge that I was in him before the foundation of the world. 
That's what that revelation has given to my heart. That's how I can walk. Even, even in the face of personal failure, I can go to my knees and walk boldly. And it, it ain't Jesus, hey, old buddy, old pal, it's master. It's Lord God, my father. I'm your son. And I, 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 I remind me and I remind him I'm your son. And I need cleansing. I know you've heard me say it. And you're going to hear me say it again. I need you now more than ever before. Oh my, it's gonna, when I need to talk to him, when I have troubles in my life, when my, when my burdens are heavy and I need an audience with the king, oh hallelujah, when I need to talk it over with him and plead my case, when I need to plead your case and my case together, oh, I enter his court. I enter his court with a revealed faith that I have passed from death to life I enter his court with a certain knowledge that I have been justified all the way back to my virgin condition. Just as if I had never been born in sin. Just as if I had never committed a transgression in all 59 years of my life. That's why I can enter boldly into his gates. You find examples of God intervening. I know I'm, I'm at the outer limits of my normal, but I'm not done. Can I, I want to get to my testimony. Can I get to the, I need 10 more minutes of preaching. And I want to give you a testimony. You good? You find it all through the Bible. And I'm going to try to skip some of this as best if I can. You find where life is like we read in the Bible. You go read the book of Nehemiah. And he wept for Jerusalem. He wept to have a temple. He wept for Jehovah. He wept to see worship restored. And we find him that when they go to build and try, they're trying to do a good thing, you got all of these naysayers. Oh, it was in his ears every day. You ever have that, friends? You ever like Nehemiah, you're trying to build a wall, you're trying to uh, restore worship, and you got the devil over here, yak, 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 you this, you that, you this, you that. And the only thing he ever seems to do is discourage you. The devil don't have one encouraging word for you. I don't know why you listen to him. It's all about sins that you committed that Jesus don't even know anything about anymore. See, they're not in the sea of... Uh, they're not in the sea of his deep remembrance. Theologians actually believe the sea of God's forgetfulness is a, is a sea that things are, your sins are buried so deep he just chooses not to remember them anymore. I'm so thankful for a prophet who said, no, sir, that sin gets annihilated. It gets turned back and goes back on the head of the devil who made you do it and you stand justified in the presence of God as though you never sinned in the first place. You're not forgiven. You're justified. You find stories in, in Ezra and, and, Nehemiah and, and Esther. And you know, the, the, the beautiful thing is one night in the book of Esther, God had, a, God had a family member who had done a lot of good stuff and a lot of good stuff for the king. Saved the king's life, actually, Esther's uncle. And uh, the king is up one night. He can't sleep. God drove sleep from him. Calls for the chronicler. Hey, come, come bring me the record. Bring me the record. Bring me the chronicles. Uh, how far back? I don't know. Well, last year. 
Just read me the Chronicles. I want to make sure I'm up on everything. And they're reading, well, this one did this and this one did that. What did we do for him? Well, we gave him a royal medallion and this one did this. And what did we do for him? Well, we uh, gave him improvements to his house and gave him a, uh, some social security. And, and, and he gets to Mordecai and says, who? He says, Mordecai. Uh, who, who, that's a weird name. Yeah, he's a Jew. He's a, he's, a, he's a captive brought over by your predecessors. Oh, really? Well, what did he do? Well, he saved your life. Really? Yeah, they were going to kill you. It was assassination. He found out about it and tipped off your captain or your garden and you saved your life. It's what did we ever do for him? He said, oh, nothing. <laughs> and so, oh, my goodness. And he, he literally calls in his enemy who hates him. <laughs> And it says, what should we do for the man who's done the greatest deed to the king that imagine when this guy thinks it's all him? Well, you should have a parade and you should put a medallion around him. You should put him in your chariot and blow a trumpet. And, and he says, that's an excellent idea. Go get Mordecai the Jew and do exactly like you just said. So God has a book of remembrance. Kings have a book of remembrance. You understand, you go, you go to Ezra and and Ezra gets a, gets a decree from, from the king, from Cyrus. Go back and rebuild the temple. And they go back to do it. And then I hear you, here you come, all those naysayers again, all the people who are trying to forget it, don't do it, you're terrible, we hate you. And, 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 they, and then another king comes to the throne and Cyrus is gone. And, and another king comes. And so these people take advantage of the politics at the time. And they write a letter to the new king say, listen, these people are, are murderous and rebellious. And they, they, they're, they're insurrectionists. And you better not let them reestablish themselves here. And the king reads that like, oh, my goodness. Uh, he writes a royal decree. Send this by the fastest writer. Quickly. This is a cease and desist. Stop all building. Stop everything right now. And Ezra says, okay. <laughs> well, we happen to have an old record from a previous king that said we could go do this. And in fact, he gave us money out of the royal treasury and said that anybody who gets in our way, he'd put them on a pole. <laughs> he would impale them on a pole and kill all their family and burn their houses down if they even got in our way. And in fact, is he told he gave us a letter that when we got to the, back into, into Palestine, that the governor right there has to give us more money out of, the, out of that treasury to help us. And so they just took up their letter, handed it back to the messenger, said, go show this to the king. And they take it back and they come into the next king and he reads, the, he looks at this letter and he goes, goodness, send to the, send to the, to the chronicles, send to the library quickly. Oh my goodness, this is treason. I might have to kill myself. Go quickly. <laughs> The laws of the Medes and Persians can't be broken, not even by a king. And they hurry, they quickly run, and they, I love these Old Testament stories. Look at all these young kids just like looking at me like, what happened? <laughs> you see, I use emotion on purpose. Hallelujah. And they run, 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 they're digging, digging, digging. Cyrus, 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 Cyrus. Okay, right here it is. Oh, no. They run back. They hand it to the king, and he reads the words of Cyrus. Now he's committed treason against a former king. He immediately rips up his old decree, writes a new and puts a stamp on it and says, go quickly back, whatever you do, don't stop, don't go left, don't pass, go, don't collect $200. Go, go all the way back to Palestine and tell them, do not harm these Jews. If you get in their way, I'll kill you, your dog, your family, your cows, I'll burn your house down, I'll poison your fields. So stay away from them and give them all the money in your pocket. God has a place 
God's courts are real. God keeps his word. You know, the problem that we have is we live in this fallen body. And fallen man has tried for years to figure out a way to bring him under heel outside of a new birth. And the new birth is just easy. Just get a nature change, and then you'll, you'll, you're, you'll naturally want to do this. You won't have to try to do it. You'll just naturally want to do it. Your whole desires will change. You might still stumble and fail, but the beauty of it is it won't count. It won't count. See? And, and, and they, they, they have all these gurus. And I, I, was, I seen a documentary the other day, and there's some guru in Australia, and there's a guru in Tibet, and there's, there's one out west and a Native American, and they got tents out there, and they'll sweat you out and give you peyote so you have visions, and, and they'll, they'll make you live in the jungle for three months and have, walk around half naked and don't get to shower, and, and they're trying to purge the old man out of you. Well, sometimes they have fantastic success because mental disciplines, emotional disciplines work. But here's the problem. Here's the rub. That man you took to Australia or to Tibet or to, to the West, he'll just come home with you. He'll just come home with you. And it'll only be a matter of time before he reemerges because you just can't keep that up. Eventually, after a while, and, even, and here's the real thing. Even if you go to your grave firmly disciplined in your lifestyle, you'll still die and miss heaven. See, I offer you today a complete death of that haunting man. I offer you today, young people, a complete death to that haunting man. The spirit of the true God will annihilate him and take up his abode in your heart forever. Say, might I fail? Yeah, you might. You might still fail, but it won't count. And you won't ever have to go back to Tibet again. You can get on your knees and open a direct portal to the throne room of God. And let me tell you something, just like Nehemiah, just like Ezra, none of your detractors can keep you from it. Brother Branham says every son and daughter of God have a right to have a conference with God. And they linger out there. You find that in Zechariah 3. You find that in Ezra. You find that in Nehemiah. You find all of these naysayers trying to keep the blessing off. In, in Zechariah, in the, uh, the, the days of Ezra, you find that he stands up, Joshua the high priest, I've preached on it here, and trying to condemn the whole nation of Israel based on, the, based on their sins. And if he can get a guilty, he's in God's courtroom. He walked boldly in. See, Satan used to be able to do that. He used to be able to come with you into the presence of God. Calvary changed that, thank God. Now he can't get to you because if he's going to get to you, he's got to come through the blood and then he'd be your brother. He wouldn't even be the devil. So, so the beauty of it is, but, but, but in Zechariah 3, he tried to argue, and if he could have won that case, God would have lost the throne, Satan would have took over, Israel would have been finished, and you'd be done. But thank God he triumphed, and, and he dismissed the devil's charge, not on the basis of works, because Israel was guilty, but he dismissed his charge on the basis of election. This is Jerusalem whom I have chosen. This is my people. You will not bring an accusation against them which are in Christ Jesus. This along with the king's book of remembrance, friends, this was the book of the law of God. David loved that book. David talked about loving it. This is along with that book of his law. He has a book of remembrance. 
just like in Ezra, just like in Esther. He'll bring you go into his presence. Let me give you some encouragement today. If you got a need and you got a trial, you got a question, you got something, you go to the king. Because I'm here to tell you, the devil might stand outside and try to get you to stop from going on your knees. He might try to haunt your life with every kind of thing just to keep you from using your portal. But you got a right to use it. You got a right to stop, drop, and roll and use it anywhere you need to on the spot. You could be at Walmart and use it. Hallelujah. You could be in the woods camping and use it. You could be in the house of God and use your portal. Hallelujah. And he's real and you can go into his presence and the devil can't come there. Hallelujah. It's the secret of his pavilion. Oh, my. He's got his book of his law. He's got a book of remembrance. Say, I'm suffering so bad. You know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and told them to encourage them. He said, listen, I know you're suffering. But if you'll just, if you'll just stick with it, it'll turn to comfort. How do you know that, Paul? Because it happened to me. I was suffering, but I stuck with it. And now I have great comfort. And he wrote to the church, you, you'll have this comfort if you just don't faint. Just don't faint. Just keep pressing. See? You can't lose if you just don't faint. Oh, my friends, I've said a lot today about this God, but I'm here to tell you, I know this God I speak of, and I know how his court works. Say, how do you know, Brother Jason, from years of studying the book of his law? Dedicated my life to studying his law book. I've spent many years in service to him, and I know from personal experience. In fact, I just, as I said to you, I just came back from, from his courtroom Saturday morning. I just returned from a case myself. And, and, and let me give you some good news before I tell you this story. I was able to completely, and I don't know that I've ever so completely, triumphed over the enemy so completely in my life. I'm 59, and I don't know it's equal. I've, I, I've went into deep prayer many times. And I've had the Spirit of God come upon me many times. And spiritual gifts have worked through my life, and I've seen it hit with perfect accuracy. But I've never quite had a prayer, at least a prayer experience, like the one I had in the wee hours of Saturday morning. The beauty of it is it wasn't for me only. It was for you too. I always take y'all with me when I go see the king. I don't know if you know that, but I always take y'all with me when I go see the king. You know, now let me just say, I'm not referring to like Brother Branham's experience beyond the curtain of time. That was a special thing that happened to Paul, a special thing that happened to Elijah. I'm not, say, I'm not saying that. It wasn't that. It clearly, absolutely wasn't that. Brother Branham said that was even more than a vision. And even mine wasn't a vision. But, you know, but listen, Brother Branham also describes that, uh, Brother Branham also describes a traveling in deep prayer. And that's on tape as well. That you actually go somewhere. That, 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 that I found myself ascending into a place. And when I did, the whole scene around me changed. Now, I can't be responsible for what you believe I can scarcely believe it myself. I'm just here to tell you, my wife is a witness. I couldn't stop crying. I was trying to make these very notes I'm using right now, just trying to get notes. 
to tell you this experience while it was fresh in my mind. I found myself ascending into a place and the whole scene around me changed and I wasn't just merely kneeling on my knees in my living room at my 5 a.m. chair anymore. I was, I was aware I was still there. Don't, don't make this more than it was. I was perfectly aware of where I was, but somehow I went somewhere in my mind and the scene was so vivid and so real and I went somewhere. That's the only way I can describe it. I was able to bring, and here's the beauty here, here's a beauty I was able to bring, and I caught a revelation. I've always wondered, did he just mean that for William Branham? All that you ever loved and all that ever loved you, God has given you. Now, I'm not claiming equality to that, but I, I found myself saying, Lord, all that I ever loved and all that ever loved me is here with me. And I looked around, and it was you all. And it was my church. And I realized maybe that's where it applies to a local minister. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this out. But I had all of y'all. And y'all, we had literally, we had come in out of the darkness and we were stepped into a court. It was brilliant. Brought all of you into God's presence Saturday morning (laughs) while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping, I took you with me on a journey. And while the whole group stood in the glow of his judgment hall, that he had, he had entered into his judgment hall. I asked for an audience, and he entered into his judgment hall. Now, what's amazing is I had asked for this on Friday morning. When I was praying Friday morning, I said, Lord, and I had some private things and personal burdens and things going on in my mind. And I said, Lord, oh, I I just need that special something. And here I was. I thought, my, it's not even a day later. And he's, I was stunned. It was happening so fast. I said, my goodness, you're already doing it. Friends, listen, I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm fully aware that I'm in my living room in the dark on my knees. But all I can tell you is there was something of me somewhere else. And of course, I was first, you know, I, 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 I had the whole group stood in this glow of his judgment hall. And naturally, I, was, I had to first secure my own place before him, a feat not, 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 not without resistance from the enemy who stands outside, who stood outside to oppose me. You know, and uh, he, I mean, this is, this, this is why, you see, he, he can't enter there now. I mean, that's why John... In Revelation 5, doesn't seem when the book is claimed. You notice that? There's one on the throne. There's a strong angel. There's a, there's a lamb comes. There's the 420 elders. There's the sea of glass. There's, there's heavenly angels. But there's no Lucifer. Because why? The lamb is coming to claim the book. Hallelujah. And Satan can no longer accuse you. He's dismissed summarily from God's court. He, he, God will not hear an accusation against his family. Once I had secured my own position to plead through a, through a fresh cleansing of my own heart and my own mind, at that point, I'm here to tell you, at that point, I was kneeling there and I was so aware, wow, the enemy is already defeated. I knew that since he has, had cleansed me and my heart condemned me not, 
then I knew by the study of his book of law, I knew by his book that I could have confidence toward God because my heart condemned me not. At that point, I had no condemnation. Not for anything, no matter how heinous in all my life, I literally stood in the presence of the king secure. At this point, I had nothing wavering. I knew I was standing there with no condemnation even possible to me because I was in Christ. And Romans 7 tells us that. I knew that this being in Christ, I knew that this being in Christ was a place that you could come into boldly. Not as a beggar. Not as a beggar. But as a, as a member of the royal family. As a prince. As a son of the kingdom. That's what the word has done for you in your life, friends. I knew at this point there was no weapon formed against me that could prosper. And quickly realizing the full height and depth of what God had done at that moment, I hurried quickly and brought four cases forward to stand in front of him. Those four cases were the most critical at the moment, those highest on my list of the present distresses. You should know that this was not the place of grandeur, not the one that we will gather around someday as seen in Revelation. It wasn't like that. No, it was more like a place where you could meet him alone and have your case heard with immediacy. Brother Eddie used to tell me a dream as a little boy. I grew up as a man making him retell it over and over and over again. Before he passed away, he wrote all of his dreams. I have a record of them. And Brother Eddie said one day he, he had a dream that he walked out. It was night. It was dark, just dark, darkness everywhere. And he said he walked out on a raised, like a raised jetty, like a peninsula, narrow, only four or five feet wide. But it was five or six inches above the waves. And he walked out on it, and he says all of those black, churning waves he knew was judgment. And he knew God was showing him something in a dream and all this judgment that was trying to get him and trying to overwhelm him. But he said, I realized as I looked around, it can't touch me. I'm above it. And he says, something struck me. A feeling come over me, Brother Eddie described. He said, a feeling come over me. I thought, my goodness, I could forgive sin. I said, that's quite a feeling. He goes, yeah, that's how I felt. He said, the, the love was so pure. The feeling in my heart was so real. He said, I thought I could forgive sin. He stood there and I realized now, I thought about Brother Eddie's dreams. I was standing there. A place, this, this place, this, remember, this is just, it's just a small place of light. It, 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 the best way I can describe it to you is a place in the middle of the battlefield, a small sanctuary of light right in the big middle of darkness everywhere that we call everyday life. We're surrounded by darkness, but you're a light in the midst of darkness. That's where we are, friends. We're royalty standing in the presence of the king. And I had the ability against all of Satan's yapping and yapping and yapping. I had the ability to walk into his court and say, how did you get there? I walked into my living room and went down on my knees and began to lift up my voice. And I, my portal started turning. And the next thing you know, I'm, a, I'm ascending up somewhere. Hallelujah. 
place right in the middle of the battlefield, a place you can only get to in prayer, a place where all other voices and oppositions cannot enter, a place where you and the king are alone in his pavilion. It's hard to describe how I felt standing there, but I can tell you that I knew it was some special place and I knew it was some special moment. It was a place of perfect love. It was a place of perfect faith. It was a place of perfect acceptance. I don't know how to describe it any better. I felt at this moment, I'm perfect. Everything, I was so aware that everything I had ever done was struck off. And I was standing in the presence of the king. Oh my, there was nothing to hinder me. Nothing could touch me. Like my dad's dream, it was like a clean, dry place where the waters of judgment couldn't reach. And, 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 I, was, I, and I, I made up my mind at that moment. Now, you'd think you couldn't do this. But I had the presence of mind at that moment when I realized how special this is. Because it's happening in real time. And I'm, I'm saying, oh, this is so special. This is, and I went, oh, and I quickly, I thought about four, four critical needs that have been on my heart for a while right here in this audience. And I thought, and there's more than four, but these were four that are the most distressing at the moment for the present danger. And I, in my mind, I quickly, quickly, I thought, I'm not gonna miss out. And I grabbed these four people, four of you. It was five of, it was, it was five of you because it's four, in, three individuals and a husband and a wife. And I quickly brought you forward and I began to say, Lord, this need and I've talked to you about it, and I've prayed, and we've talked it over, and I've asked you. They need your help, Lord. And, and, and the king is just listening to me. And, and I was talking about these four critical needs, and, and I even gestured. Friends, it was so real. I caught myself with my arm going out. I got myself, Lord, and all these. And I went, wow, who am I waving at? And I said, Lord, all of these two, and it was all of y'all standing just inside the glow. I brought every one of you out of the darkness. And while I was talking to him, and, 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 and I gestured to all of us standing there and the, the various needs that we have. And in a little bit, just in a little bit, it didn't last all that long. I'd say the whole thing was over in five minutes. And in a little bit, I was back in my living room. I was still on my knees. And I had such a warm feeling in my heart, I just raised both my hands up to God and I just started thanking him and I just started praising him and I just started worshiping him and listen friends praising him for his goodness and I want to say to you today I don't know how these things will go the four specific needs I brought to him I brought them I brought them before and all of y'all that I gestured to all of those who love me and whom I've loved who God has given me to be a shepherd, that I, I stood there and I, and I was aware and I thought to myself and I thought, I'm going to write this down so I don't forget it. I don't know how these things will go, but I know they got a fresh hearing in his presence. I can promise you that. I, 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 and I know him. Say, well, how does that help me? Because I know him to be a God of great mercy. I know him to be a God of great love. I know him to have great care for his family. How many feel like his family today? 
I want to tell you that you should, you should have renewed hope. I want to say to you today, whatever is your need, don't you fear. God knows. Take renewed hope today that he'll do it for you. He, he, I can tell you this. I felt this and I wrote it down. He will do more for you than I could even think to ask while I was standing there. So don't let your soul be troubled. Don't let it be disquieted anymore. I say to you with David, hope thou in God, for you shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And this is my final word to you. If you never see my face again and you never hear my voice again, here's my final word to you. Let not your heart be troubled anymore. The king has heard your need. Let not your heart be troubled anymore. The king has heard your need. Now, he already knew it. But now there's a court record that can't be dismissed. You say, I know because I took it there. Hallelujah, friends. He's real. He's that real. Stand up with me this morning. I'm preached. Oh, my goodness. I ended up preaching two hours. I haven't done that in years and years. Oh, but he's real. The love of God is just that real. I'm telling you something, friends. I went somewhere, and I come back to tell you, he cares. He cares. And Brother Branham said, does he care? Go listen to Brother Branham when he's preaching that sermon. He cares. Do you care? And Brother Branham, just God, does he care? And he goes through the Bible and pulls out case after case, and he says, does he care? Oh, my goodness, how much he cares. See? But you got to care first. And if you care about his word, he'll care about your soul. He'll care about your need. If you care enough to be sincere when you pray and pray often and give your whole heart and life to God, let me tell you something, friends. I hope, I stood thinking about that all day Saturday, and I thought about it again this morning, and I said to the Lord Saturday, I said, Lord, could I have that every time I pray? Is that even possible? Did, did I turn a certain combination on the portal? Did I put in a certain code? Did, was there something I said? And you know, I found where Brother Branham said, talks about those high realms that a prophet goes way up, far, far, far above anywhere I went to. I actually just went into a sanctuary right in the middle of the battlefield. The prophets went up and saw things in heaven and glory and saw way off in prophecy. Nothing compared to that. But Brother Branham even comes back from that. He says, now when I get there, he says, I come back down. He says, oh, I wish I could live there all the time. See, but that's what makes it special. So you, you can, I want, I want you to remember after today, while you're tucked asleep in your beds, in your pillowy softness, you just remember you're somewhere else also. Because there's a shepherd who loves you and I take you with me every time I go. And you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to take you with me again. And you know what I'm going to do the next day? I'm going to take you with me again. And I, I'd love to come get you and not find you and get there and you're already there. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, I say, I'm not sure any of this makes sense, Brother Jason. Well, join the party. But all I know is, is telling you the best I could describe in my heart. God loves us. 
and he's aware of every need you have. Bow your heads with me all over the building. Well, Lord, there it is. I did my best. I told the truth. I was very careful to be careful with what I said. I don't, I don't want to make it more than it was, but I'm sure not going to make it less. And just because there were certain elements I couldn't fully explain, I, I know what happened. And Lord, I, I just say, as Gulliver said, these things are all true and happened to me. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I, I was left with that, that marvelous sense that I had stood in your approval and all those you have given me and loved me and those who I love, they were there with me and you were rejecting of none of them. You allowed all of them entry with me and they stood in the glow of your light just around me, Lord, like a semicircle. And I looked back and I looked into their faces and I pointed to this one and gestured to that one. And I said, Lord, this one too and this also. And what about this and this over here? And I felt that same acceptance from the king. So I want this church to take courage today. Lord, I know this is a perilous day. I know it's more perilous than any other time in history. But I know you're not unaware. And I want to say today to the people that the king has had a fresh hearing of all your needs. And he's concerned. <clears throat> And he cares. And I want to tell you today that I'm privileged above none of you. That every one of you, having come back from it, I can tell you from experience, all heads bowed now. I can tell you from experience, every one of you who have passed from death to life and who have known Jesus and the power of his resurrection, you have the same access I have. You can walk boldly into his throne and stand there redeemed, clean, pure, in perfect love, in perfect faith, no condemnation, nothing to hinder you, all other voices silent. I thank you for that, Lord. That would be the final piece that I want to give to these people, that they have the same access. Don't take a, a church joining, friends. Don't take a religious rules don't take any of that. That'll never do it. You've got to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to know him personally in the power of his resurrection, having received a revelation of his person into your heart. And you can live there. And you can live above, above the world and in total victory. I assure you of that. And I know because I did it. Let's sing, brother. Oh, yes. Is all that really matters. Is there anybody in here today who needs a fresh touch from him? Then your life will never be. Maybe you need to touch him. Maybe you don't need a touch from him. You need to touch him. There's only one way.
Let's sing it, friends. Oh, oh touching Jesus, Jesus is all that really matters. Oh, that's all that matters. Then your life will never be the same. love the Lord I'll tell you something friends I couldn't leave you with better news not only has God had a fresh hearing and there's now a record I took it there and I left it there and the king heard me patiently and I believe he'll move for the needs I put before him I'm believing it with all my and as you leave this building today, I want you to know that you can have that same experience. And if you, only if you know him in the way I know him, only if you have accepted him as a personal revelation into your heart and you've passed from death to life, societies won't do it. Church joining won't do it. Doesn't matter what doctrine you believe. Doesn't matter what church you go to or who you call your pastor. You must know the Lord Jesus and the power of his resurrection. You've got to be willing to take up your cross and know him, in the, not in the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. The whole purpose of that is so that you can then enjoy his life. You believe me? You believe me, friends? Every one of you have that access. If you'll take it, it's up to you. All I can do today is come and take his word and prove these things out of his word and tell you my own testimony. We're going to let you go after we sing it again. God bless you. Sing it again, brother. Oh, touching Jesus. Oh, if you've never touched him. This is all that really matters. I'd be happy to pray with anybody in this building. If you don't think you say, preacher, I don't know, but I've never touched him like that. Come on up here. I'll pray for you. Be the same. I'm fresh back from his presence. Hallelujah. Oh, there is all. One way to touch Him. Oh, you must believe when you call on Touching Jesus. Sing it again, Brother Tony. Hallelujah. Oh, touching Jesus is all that really
Vencer 